Previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. Maybe um, maybe Project Umbrella's demoralised the English translators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're too shit scared, yeah. Umbrella! Umbrella! Maybe it was a bit dodgy, my driving instructor, but he had to put his hands on my hands to show me how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Is this where Tyler Hamilton walks in? <laughs> my balls are black and blue. I just hit them with a mallet. What game am I playing? I found the tyrant that killed me was dead. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Project Umbrella podcast, where all our problems are a nuclear bomb away from resolution and a Jill sandwich, make mine with cheese, toasted, no pickles. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is the Batman. Hello. Newsbot. Hello. That stars Tyrant. Hello. George Trevor. Hello. And Mr. Spencer. (laughs) All right, dudes. No special guest today, just us today, so uh, hold on hold on tight. We have all the latest news, and we'll be discussing, of course, today, Resident Evil 3, one of the absolute classics and the last Space Station 1, sorry, main series game. Uh, one of our favourites, I'm sure, so we're going to be digging into that and dissecting all the, uh, all, the, all the key issues of the game, and we'll be finishing off with uh, Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. So, without further ado, let's crack on with the news. And the first bit of news is a rather bit of interesting bit of news, actually. It's the PC version of Resident Evil 4, 5, 6, even. Resident, the PC version of Resident Evil 6. Nick, I know it's been a very difficult week for you. Are you OK? I'm fine. I don't know why. I I'm, was, I'm not joking. Are you, you OK to do the podcast this evening? I am, I am. Yeah, OK. So the PC version of Resident Evil 6 has had this very strange crossover deal with the Left 4 Dead team. Oh. Um, if I understand correctly, there's different characters from the series appearing in each other's games, which is an interesting concept. And what did everyone think of that? I'm not really a Left 4 Dead fan or a fan of introducing completely non-related Resident Evil characters into a Resident Evil game, so I, I didn't get particularly excited by it. No? I, I would have sooner have had classic series characters. Good idea, yeah. When I heard you the know. news, I was like, who the fuck plays Left 4 Dead 2 anymore? <laughs> I mean, it, it's a nice bit of sort of crossover. And I quite like that, those things usually, but it was just so out of the blue, you know. It feels forced, doesn't it? Yeah. Is it a desperate attempt by Capcom to try and keep any remote bit of interest in RE6? Uh, well, I think Capcom probably get more out of it than what uh, Valve will. <laughs> mm, I've never played Left 4 Dead, so I can't really comment. That's the first person to shoot them, isn't it? Yeah. The zombies. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm still very... Very behind on zombie games other than Resident Evil, so uh, never mind.
Other news, uh, more exciting news actually. Uh, Rachel, our, our lovely friend Rachel with the funny hair haircut from Revelations, will be playable in raid mode. And uh, a kind of trailer and a little demonstration of how it's all going to work uh, recently got released by Capcom. And that looks very nice indeed. It was interesting screenshot seeing Rachel take on herself. It's it, been a while since I've seen four big tits on screen at the same time. <laughs> it was, even if one of them was hideously mutated and uh, the other was... Papa George. <laughs> it was interesting how they used some of the um, the Rachel trailer footage with the more recent trailer. They almost made it look like that um, sort of strange trailer they made, a bit of a story trailer for Rachel, was going to be integrated somehow. And we know it's not, but it was just interesting how they used some of those shots for the recent publicity. Mm. Playing as Rachel, it, may, it once again reiterates the stupidity of her outfit. Quite why anyone would uh, wear that on a dangerous mission, I have no idea. And it's uh, it should be quite a, quite a good uh, little add-on for a uh, little bonus for all the HD versions of the game. I kind of find her hairstyle even more ridiculous than the the breasts because I mean I'm sure there are big-breasted voluptuous women out there, you know, doing more than just kitchen work. I'm sure I, I hear there's they even make policemen and even someone in the army. And, some even try to play football. So, um, but I, I, yeah, hairstyle seems far more, you know, counterproductive. So yes, uh, certainly a nice addition to Revelations, and I think we're all looking forward to that. In is that June? Is it released? No, um, next month. Is it? Oh, exciting! Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. I, I had it down as June. Never mind. That's... I'll just confirm that, but I'm pretty sure it's May. No, it's, it's a date in May, definitely. May twenty, May twenty fourth in Europe, I think. Wonderful, because we, we are going to have another podcast, another kind of HD update, if you like, of our Revelations podcast. We'll just basically dish out the same the same podcast that we did back in, what, last February or whenever it was. And, but we'll uh, record it in HD. We'll record it, exactly. No one will ever know. Other news from Revelations is the Season Pass is going to be uh, an add-on with the uh, four bits of DLC, apparently, which uh, Batman, you suspect, is probably just going to be weapons and guns and whatnot. Press release said characters, didn't it? Did it? Okay. Rachel's <laughs> one of them, isn't she? I mean, imagine Rachel and Hunk are two of them. No, because they're, they're shipping with the game. They've confirmed that today. Oh, these are going to be additional characters in relation. Mm. Oh, okay. But we don't know if it's going to be story DLC yet, do we? Uh, no, it... It's going to be raid mode. Fun favourite character, Hunk and like, Hair Monster Rachel, as it's called in this article. I don't think there'll be new characters, just like new skins. That's why it's like the fear with more weapons and more characters. The season pass product description reads, expand your raid mode experience. Ah, there we go. So It's going to be character skins. I wouldn't say new characters. It's going to be like, new, like oh, here's Rachel wearing a BSEA outfit. Yo, here's Morgan Lancer wearing a bikini. Yo, have some fun with that. <laughs> That concludes the that concludes the Resident Evil news. We'll now move on to site news, of which we do have some exciting site news. Uh, you may have seen it. There's been a redesign of some of our fantastic editorials in the past. The uh, so-called designed editorials, which have been um, compiled by Vax Work. Vax Work, yes, yes, Vax, yes. Our member Viact, who did a, has done a fantastic job in basically making all the uh, biology of evil uh, editorials look actually like they've been taken from the games. Yeah, I've seen those; they're pretty impressive looking. They, they look are. like actual files, like that you might expect, like coffee stains and all that other stuff. That you know, nice sort of aesthetics on there. Yeah, I really like them. Oh, they look really good. And I think it was the doctor. I think pointed out 
quite correctly that they they look much better than most of the presentation we actually get from Capcom. You know, the archives one and two, um, and some of the kind of the, the literature that we get with the special edition games. They they were brilliant. Perhaps VR can get a job for Capcom. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean things like the little, the small details. Is it like you know the, the coffee stains and you know the little blood marks? And I think it's the random nature of it. You know, it's not as if every page is the same. Uh, I, I think that was the genius of it, how it actually blended in with what would be an actual file on someone's desk in some godforsaken lab. Have um, we actually applied those changes yet to the editorials? No, he's just done a sample of mm. one of them. Uh, we need to get in touch with him and just sort of get, make it happen because I would love to see them in because it, it fits into the style of the website mm. as well, doesn't it? It background. does. So, it does. Uh, Newsbot make it happen. Yeah, get on that, Birch. <laughs> Do you like computers and stuff, right? Yeah, you got computers and your little sort of like building stuff and whatnot. So. Get on it. Do, um, Newsy, do we have any new, uh, any other site news that you need to share amongst our listeners? Nope. Nope. It's been a pretty slow. It has been. It, it's been slow. Out of interest, has anyone um, seen anything about that Resident Evil or Biohazard Six story guide that came out in Japan? Ah, yes. Batman, do you want to fill this in? Yeah, I got it through the post the other day. It's uh, it's literally just the Japanese script and the storyboards for the game. Um, I've had a flick through it. There's no deleted scenes or big changes, so uh, it's a bit disappointing, really. It's literally 270 pages of scripted storyboards. There's nothing else. Archives 3, it is not, then. <laughs> no. How much did that set you back? Included shipping. It was about 22 quid. Oh, that's right. So we'll just have to hope for a, a good Archives 3 with a bit more... Because I think you you want you, you mentioned that we need a bit more like character bios for like Simmons and things like that, and... It's not in that book. Well, we've had a lot, haven't we? We've had two Biohazard 6 game guides. We've had the graphical guidebook, the story guidebook, and, you know, we've not really had a... Compared to the likes of Resident Evil 5, we've not really been given a lot of information on the, you know, the backstory mm. of the game. Oh, dear. oh, well, on that note, that concludes the news, and we'll now move on to our main discussion of the evening, the absolutely legendary Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, a.k.a. Biohazard, The Last Escape. It all began as an ordinary day in September, an ordinary day in Raccoon City, a city controlled by Umbrella. No one dared to oppose them, and that lack of strength would ultimately lead to their destruction. I suppose they had to suffer the consequences of their actions, but there would be no forgiveness. If only they had had the courage to fight. It's true that once the wheels of justice begin to turn, nothing can stop them. Nothing. It was Raccoon City's last chance. And my last chance. My last escape.
So, uh, Resident Evil 3 obviously came out in 1999 as one of the releases of that era, mm-hmm. combined near uh, Survivor and later Code Veronica, I believe. And Gaiden, I think, was uh, very close to release. Um, initially, it was a uh, due to come on the PlayStation 2, and it came with a bit of a shock when it was going to come on the PlayStation 1. Uh, our substitute was going to be, uh, for PlayStation owners anyway, Dino Crisis. Uh, 3 itself was always going to be out in the PS1. It's just it's confusion with the name, because... What we know is 4 and I was also called 3 at that time, so... Oh, okay. And 4 was meant to be for the PS2. Wasn't um, 3 called 1.9 at one point or something? It was nicknamed 1.5. Wasn't it Mikami wanted it to be called 1.9? Yeah. yeah. Well, before we dig into uh, the, the mechanics of the game and all your favourite characters, let's hear from our podcasters what their brief impression was. We'll start with Batman. Well, uh, Resident Evil 3 was actually my introduction to Biohazard. Oh, uh, I remember the game was due to be released in, was it September or October 1999 in PAL regions? And then it got pushed back to February 2000 because it eventually came out just after my birthday. I was only 17 at the time and I was probably at the height of my obsession with the series. So uh, around November 1999, rumours began in school that this guy in the year below had somehow got a pirated copy of the Japanese Biohazard oh. 3. <laughs> A lot of us at wow. school were big uh, were big Resident Evil fans at the time, so we spent a bit of time verifying this to be true, and then we began to we began to stalk this person like proper weirdos, like you know trying to be his best friend all of a sudden, even though we'd barely spoken a word to him in four years. Uh, <laughs> And in the end, I went round to his house with a Safeways bag full of crap PS1 games, knocked on his door and offered to swap them all for a night's borrow of his Biohazard 3 disc. <laughs> <laughs> this is he so was believable. obviously, uh, yeah, he was naturally quite scared of me at this point and probably just to get rid of me, just gave me the disc. Uh, the so funny then got... thing is, as outlandish as this may sound, this actually does sound very believable because it's a very it's just like a very northern thing to do that does well, so. yeah, because i was no i was just i was That's that obsessed with the series at that point i really wanted to get it because i thought i'm not waiting another three months for it to come out in europe so i got my chip i got my ps1 chipped especially to play it as well oh. you know i couldn't read the files or anything but i still had a blast with it great game one of my favorites in the series probably the game i've played the most still holds up today love it stars torrent um, this is this is really really weird because um, that year of ninety nine, you were that guy. Uh, were that guy. <laughs> in the summer of ninety nine, I got my PS three modded so I could get the DualShock version of Res two, and um, I kept a close eye on the US release date of three, and actually got it in early December ninety nine. And the fact that you said that, Bats, is really quite funny because I remember being in one of my lessons. It was IT. And it was one of the first times they'd got sort of high-speed internet in our area. And everyone was watching the intro on one of the school computers. And I was like, oh, it's a pretty good game, that. And they were like, it's not even out yet. And it's like, yeah, but I finished it already. You know, he just couldn't help but show off just a little bit. So that was quite awesome you just said that. But with regards to the game, uh, it was the first time for me it really made the series feel like a franchise. Because the second game was just a very, very strong sequel. But like this was the first time it showed a real confidence about itself in that it could just rotate characters in and out. And, you know, it really built on it started building its legacy with Resident Evil 3. And yeah, it's one it was one of my favorites. I think it starts off a bit slow in the streets. But by the time you get to the clock tower, it's one of the best experiences of them all. I mean, I know we're not talking about Resident Evil 2, but you just reminded me of something in terms of like nostalgia. Who remembers that Ori 2 advert where it was like the guy running to his car? in a panic 
Who remembers that? It's like a guy who runs a car from like, you know, you're meant to be like a zombie after him or something, and he just sort of like, I don't know, no one? The live action Romero trailer for two. No, no, it was a, it was a UK advert. It was just some guy wearing like glasses and a t-shirt, like buttoned shirt, running towards his car, trying to unlock the door in a panic because he was being chased by someone by, you know, a camera was like following him, like, you know, from the viewpoint of a zombie. And I can't remember it now. I wish I could, but you just remind me of that in terms of like, you know, reminiscing about the old days and the old, <laughs> how we felt back then about the series and, you know. John, what did you think of RE3 then? I thought that the music was a highlight. The music was very, I mean, if you look at, I mean, I like video game music and in Resident Evil 2 is very kind of, you know, very atmospheric but in resident evil 3 it was very sort of in nemesis it was very sort of um almost militant sounding like drumming and stuff and like you know sort of thing and when you start off it just usually a lot of games will give you like a, a brief little learning curve to get you started into the game uh nemesis doesn't really do that it just basically goes right the zombies around explosion in the hotel you were staying in here's a pistol there you go, have at it, try and get out of it. You know, it just throws you in, in at the deep end, zombies closing in, no learning curve, no, you know, tutorial, just bam, there you go, deal with it. Mm. It is. That's brilliant. Paul, Newspot, what do you think? Um, It's probably my absolute favourite in the series. I can't remember when or the circumstances of when I first played it, but since then I've just been enchanted by it. It surpassed 1 and 2 pretty much without any real effort. And it expanded on everything they added to the series. So It's just a pretty like flawless the sequel. The they did. Yeah, like the 180 turn and then not having mm. to press X to walk downstairs. Yes. Yeah, the dodge mechanic it basically just made the gameplay of 2 much more fluid. Okay, and George, what did you think? I think Resident Evil 3 is the greatest Resident Evil game there is. We did have the greatest game in Resident Evil 2, and rather than this bullshit idea, what do you call it, progression, that that we've had since... Well, you know, fuck progression. Progression is what took Resident Evil 1 and gave us Resident Evil 5. Progression is what took Resident Evil 2 and led us to Resident Evil 6. So when... The developers of Resident Evil decided to make a game identical to Resident Evil 2 with some slightly minor changes. None of those minor changes harm the game. Uh, they actually slightly improve it. Um, and when they did that and said, fuck to progression, this thing that they're obsessed with and have been obsessed with since Resident Evil 3, funnily enough, they created what was Resident Evil 2, but just slightly better. Mind you, you could say something about RE5 going over from RE2, or, uh, sorry, RE4. In that they kind of tried to do the same thing as RE4, but they added a few minor changes. But unfortunately, you know, the co-op kind of detracted from the experience. I I imagine, but yeah. I mean, I know it's not. I know we're not. I know we're not talking about RE5 or RE4, but it's the same sort of similar sort of, you know, like you said, your idea of progress and keeping things the same as opposed to being very, you know, more radically different. I, I would just say, I've told this story hundreds of times, but um, from my personal view, a bit like uh, Batman and Star's Tyrant, it was not was my first real excitement of the game. I had Resident Evil 1 beforehand, and uh, I, I, I liked the game a lot, and I remember going to um, John Lewis, or Cyril and Green's one of them. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. 
Of course. Uh, yeah. Two routes there. And well, so, I, I was just looking in the PlayStation section, and well, it must have been 2000. And Resident Evil 3 had just been released. I didn't show much interest into it. I wasn't like, oh my god, I must have it. And yet they had it on the shelf, brand new, for 15 quid. You know, this should, you know, PlayStation One games 40 quid, weren't they? Well, still, I suppose they still new games still are. But this, you know, it should be 40 pounds everywhere, and it's for 15 quid. I thought, oh my god, I didn't have any money on me. I just asked my dad, how are you buy it? And I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been. 2000. Probably just I was 14 actually. Yeah, so I was just I was coming up to 15, but only six years off. So I wasn't quite old enough to actually buy it. So yeah, I had to ask my dad. And um, but because it was only 15 quid, it's all like, oh, gone then. And uh, you know, hooked ever since. Easily, I think the funnest Resident Evil game in my eyes. Definitely it, it, one of the most replayable. Absolutely, it? and mm. um, that probably tied with four actually for fun as well. I think four was quite fun to replay, but that first time. When the nemesis comes down. Stars. I mean, talk about holy mother. You know. And, yeah, I uh, it's it's what really got me into the series. That And then, you know, went back and picked up um, Resident Evil 2 and, you know, got Survivor that following Christmas and things like that. And uh, it, it, it's got a very uh, fond place in my heart. So, one of my favourites. Okay, uh, so what we'll do, we'll move on to... Um, bit more discussion the first area i want to talk about we've touched on already actually is the kind of gameplay mechanics very minor changes to the resident evil formula the successful resident evil formula of course we all know and love but i think i would agree with what george said that the slight changes made huge amounts of improvements to the game yeah i mean it's a shame because i've also been playing a lot of resident evil zero this week and similarly when you compare resident evil 2 and resident evil 3 Resident Evil Zero is, is presented in, in the, obviously in exactly the same identical way to remake. Uh, you have the minor changes of no item boxes, which just completely, for me, detract from the gameplay and, and make, make the gameplay poorer for the emission of those item boxes. Yet Resident Evil 3 similarly makes a slight just change deviation from what we had previously with Resident Evil 2, So, but, but does it perfectly and make, mm. makes the game a better experience. So this time around, you have the ability to micromanage your ammunition by you know various mixes of the gunpowder i mean what what i do and for you know more hardcore experience i play it on hard mode and i only allow myself to make up c gunpowder get collations of three of them and just only make magnum rounds so i only rely on on shotgun shells and you know the the bullets that that the game sparsely provides but with the gunpowder i only ever make magnum bullets uh, Magnum rounds. So you're not um, a fan of the hunting rifle, are you? Either in Zero, from what I remember. Oh well, that, was, that, that yeah. I mean, that was a bit of a frustration. You know? I remember at the time though, wasn't Resident Evil Three criticised in some respects because it was too similar. It wasn't enough of a progression from Resident Evil Two. I'm sure it I, was. I felt like that at the beginning. It's Honestly, I mean, it's still it's still got good reviews, but I remember magazines like Play who you know really worshipped the first two games, saying you know it is a bit disappointing because it's not a big step up from Resident Evil Two, especially because it's got you know recycled environments like the police station and it's only got one scenario and you know one playable character. See, it, may, it might be sort of maybe unambitious, but I'm I'm delighted with that because you, you know you you're, you're not going to better what was almost perfection, and I was absolutely thrilled to go back to the RPD. Obviously, you know that argument's going to de- defeat itself if each instalment after that, but um, goes back to the RPD. But at least go back to it once, uh, and why not with this sequel? And I can understand, obviously, 
between Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, there, there's there's a huge difference. You've gone from the confines of a mansion to the whole of the city. But I think it was almost, was it lazy? Was it unambitious? Or was it a stroke of genius? Just going back the day before, seeing the mayhem and the carnage that we just t- took for granted had already occurred. But actually seeing that in the opening scenes of Resident Evil 3. I mean, maybe, um, were, maybe they were going for like a nostalgia feeling, but I guess it was too early to go the nostalgia route like how did you feel back in Resident Evil 2 like oh here we go again Too, it's too soon I thought to go back there mm, maybe no, I loved it personally yeah. no I did yeah. I liked it. For, in terms of the gameplay I think uh, you're right there was criticism that at the time for the for the games that the tank controls were criticised even back then for being awful and I think because but, Resident Evil 3 was designed for the kind of DualShock slash analogue PlayStation system and you have the little the subtle changes like you know the, the dodge mechanic uh, i think the dodge yeah. mechanic sort of counterbalanced the tank control well this is well. this is this is the point i think because it, it was designed in mind to use the analog sticks i think it actually flowed a bit more it's a bit more fluid than perhaps resident evil 2 and it's little things like that yeah, and, and, and the quick turn, the, and the the quick turn yeah, yeah and you know especially then you went and played code ronica <laughs> it, it, it seemed like a step down from Resident Evil 3 in the controls, I, I personally it's thought. A, yeah, it did really was, wasn't it? It was. And, you know, and it, animation, actually, must be said. Animation was, for yeah. 3 was really good. And I think it was probably the best you could get from tank controls, as they are known. And I, I think it was quite a fluid game in that sense. And the, the small changes with, you know, with the gameplay and you know, the dodge and things like that, I, I think that helped to make it a bit more fluid than perhaps credit was given for at the time. Can I just ask, though, does anyone use the dodge mechanic purposefully, or does it just sort of happen randomly? <laughs> it's sort of, sort of buttons, yeah. Random, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, I think it's, it really is a, a challenge in timing to get it to, um, you know, just to work on command, isn't it? You could down Nemesis, the first encounter with Nemesis. You could down it without getting hit once with the dodge oh. mechanic, just by being lucky found... and good timing. Yeah, I've seen that on YouTube, the guy that does that, because I actually find that first confrontation with Nemesis, I, I actually find the hardest. I just, in terms of the confines of the space that you've got, the fact that I've only got the shotgun to use at that point. It's um, quite open. It's quite open. It's not in a corridor. You're quite, you know, they caught you, aren't you? No, you've just got that one little, you know, you can maybe sort of run around a little bit, but... Um, it's open to me. It was really, I remember it being really open to me. Well, you can go it's back outside the gate if you want, and he follows you outside onto the street. That's quite open. Oh, could you do that? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, that brings us on to another mechanic that was introduced and never actually really been followed up, the live selection. Because, of course, you didn't have to fight the nemesis that first time. Um, and this was something that was brought in from Dino Crisis, I believe. It, it was a nice idea, but I was expecting it to sort of totally branch the story, but it doesn't really... All it really does is give you, like, a quick shortcut or something, like, you know, if you fight your own nemesis. adventure. But isn't yeah. it, like, beneficial to fight him rather than avoid him? To well, yeah, if, you get, if you fight him outside the RPD courtyard, you can get Brad's stars card for the computer, so you don't have to go and find Jill's card. Yeah, but it's not fundamental to the, the but game. But you can weaken him, can't you? You, you, weaken don't, him, get, you, you don't get the infinite, the infinite weaponry, do you, if you don't no. kill him every single appearance? No, you don't. I think, does it affect the, the enemy placements and the, the parts where Nemesis appears as well? Because I, I played it today, and I... Um, when you meet him in Grill 13, I hid in the basement and escaped through the ventilation system, which meant I had to go and get the second duel for the city hall from the press office. Okay. And he didn't follow me at all then, and I died and ended up doing it again. And I did the exact same thing, but this time Nemesis was right there, and he followed me into the press office. Brilliant. I could never, I could never work out what you had to do to determine how he appears where. I'm sure that if you choose to fight him, 
it weakens him and therefore he doesn't show up for a while when you beat him. Because it buys you more time to just go around and do stuff. That's mm-hmm. how I believe it anyway. That's how I understood it. But what, also at the just... end, on the bridge, if you choose to push him off the bridge at the end, yeah, well, I you, you don't get the cutscene at the end with Brad. You only get that if you jump off. If you jump or put, get pushed off, that determines if, if you're going to see the cutscene with Nikolai or not being, you and know, with, with a helicopter. And there's the one uh, where you're on the tram, isn't there? If you either use the emergency brake or jump out the window. I can't remember which one it is, but that, and in one of them, starts They basically determine Carlos's character. Yeah, yeah Carlos turns up and, sh- and destroys Nemesis' rocket launcher, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, making the fight in the courtyard a little bit easier. Yeah, I actually think that's the hardest fight in the game because yeah. you're poisoned. Oh you yes, you are. Yeah, you're yeah. In danger. Oh yeah, you can't tell your yeah the health. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point actually. Mm. But with regard to Nemesis, um, you know, trying to figure him out meant that nearly every playthrough was subtly different. Yeah. And still is. You know, I still have the odd moment. I think last time I played it, I got the moment where you go to the uh, electric house. And he's on a rooftop of a building nearby, and he's firing rockets down at you. Yeah, it's a... never, never had that before. How many? Oh, I remember that. No. Where, where, where's that, Sean? I've not had that. If you go to the, you have to do a couple of the choices in a certain way, and then if you choose to go to the electric power plant first or whatever, where you can get the what is it, the fuse or something? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. You get a brief cutscene where you're surrounded by zombies, I think, and then uh, he's on a, a nearby building rooftop and fires a rocket down and kills a couple of the zombies so you and then he just continues to fire at you you have to oh, run inside the building oh, wow. and then and then once you get closer to the elevator he jumps turn starts chasing you yeah really it's really cool. impressive yeah. i'm hoping the new enemy in revelations is going to be a bit like this because i yeah. sort of described him as a stalker style enemy haven't they, they should bring back the live selection choice yeah they just need to do more with it so it actually affects but your yeah. choices will affect what outcome you get in the game. Like, yeah. what well, affects the story. domino. Because there was a couple that were really pointless, like the one where um, that big crack appears in the floor of the garage and then boxes start <laughs> rolling towards you and it's like, drop down yeah. or get up. Yeah. It makes it, no difference at all, yeah. Yeah, it's just it, just, it just It just gives you an extra foreshadowing of the... Uh, of the grave digger, yeah. Grave digger, when you see it's malted. Yeah. Form. Oh, yes, you do, don't you? I remember, yes. There's a good one in the uh, clock tower where you could choose to fry Nemesis with the power cable from the lights. Oh, you can shine it in his eyes, can't you? Or electrocute it. Yeah, or yeah, throw the plug in the water. What happens if you shine the light in his eyes? Does he fall off the edge or something? Or? Yeah, he just, no, you he just falls just off the edge. Oh, he does, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You push him off, don't you? So the, yeah. the, the, there's a lot of talk when we obviously found out that you know Nemesis, is, he's the namesake of the game. Um, I remember at the time lots of speculation as to who the Nemesis was. Uh, Rebe- Rebecca being the common one, wasn't it? That took a long time to dissipate. But I would have actually liked the idea of it being someone. Well, thanks to Paul Anderson, we had that inevitability. Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hated that. <laughs> He's mutating. I want him in the Nemesis program. <laughs> Humanising the Nemesis was just like the worst idea ever. <laughs> Nick approves, I bet. I bet Nick approves. He <laughs> loves the movies. No, he even is. quoted it. Word for word. Can I that. say, can I say, I actually finally watched Resident Evil Retribution the other week. God. It is honestly the biggest load of tripe I've ever seen. <laughs> it is genuinely unwatchable. And what it is, is the film version of S.D. Perry's Underworld. It's identical in that kind of like, kind of game situation under the ground or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But the whole film is fatally flawed on the basis that 
because of the universe Anderson has created, he cannot do anything else bar set up these stupid kind of underground things because the whole world in Anderson's world is infected or diseased or extinct. So in order to have any exciting scenes like the New York scene or, you know, Moscow, wherever they wanted to put it, they have to make make it all imaginary. Or, you know, stage. It's, it's pointless. Where on earth? I mean, what's the point? It didn't make any sense at all. It's like, oh, here's the New York scene. It gets destroyed. We test it out. We show it to people. whoop de do. But where the hell are you going to get more New York cabs for when the whole world is extinct? You're preaching to the converted, Nick. I know, been, I know, I know, I know. We've all been telling you this for years. The problem is, Nick, it's taken you ten years to realise <laughs> Paul Anderson's films <laughs> make no sense. That one, that one didn't. That was, that was triumph. That was. I weird. mean, I. Oh, anyway, I anyway. To, I'm, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, hang in there. Why isn't someone doing something about this? I didn't know you were still alive, Jill. The police aren't trained for this kind of situation. What could they do? Listen, he's coming for us. We're both gonna die. What are you saying? You'll see. He's after STARS members. There's no escape! The intro sequence for three, I want to talk about that. Because yes. I, think, I think it's the best intro of the series. Yeah. Nothing yeah. silly like Code Veronica. Just a proper zombie war. The aliens to the yeah. first game's alien. Mm. It's I, I, love the way, the... I love the way at the end you see it's mayhem and chaos all over the place. And, and, and they really go for it. And, and they what also I like is the fact that you, you really get an idea and insight into just the fact that everything was going to shit. So you've got the UBS guys who um, are, are just shooting almost randomly and just in desperation. You know, at the end, he's just going, die. And, and he knows he's completely, you know, he's converged by zombies. And then just the last scene is just after all that noise, it's just complete silence. And then you just get the rain. And, the, you know, all, all of that mayhem has gone. It's complete silence. And you get the shot of the, you know, of the mask on, on the floor of the rain. I, I thought that was brilliantly, brilliantly directed. It's and, one and of the, the best video game intros, I think. And the outro. And the outro as well. I mean, no matter which one you pick. I mean, I'd like to be saved by Barry, personally, just for just because it's Barry. But the whole end sequence is just sensational. The bomb going off and the, the music. And then that news report they just cut in. A heart goes out to the civilians of Rapids. And you, you just sit there go, you know, you see the RPD go up and you spend, I've spent hours in there, you know, mm. Resident Evil 2. And it's just gone in a matter of seconds. And It's very weird, isn't it? Because, like, at the end of Resident Evil 2, everyone, I mean, even I thought it, even though looking back, it's ridiculous to think that the explosion in Birkin's lab at the end of Resident Evil 2 destroyed the whole city. Mm. You just don't you think know. about it. You never thought about it at the time. Yeah, you just don't really think, do you? I don't, I don't think it was ever intended to destroy the whole city I think because they actually right after 2 they wrote the drama albums and in the drama albums they had uh, the US government and Umbrella just walk into the city with flame floors and just yeah, burn it to the ground really that's what I mean though you don't it's common sense to think that you know the lab self-destruct mechanism wouldn't obviously destroy the whole city but I just don't think anyone really thought about it you know oh yeah, yeah. the game just kind of doesn't mention the city no. exactly yeah but uh, yeah, the end of Resident Evil 3 is very powerful, and that that little HUD with the the radar with the missile getting closer is very effective twist on the uh, the self destruct countdown. I thought mm, it was really good, yeah. And especially when you're battling the nemesis at the end, you're like, you know, you just see it getting closer That's, and closer. Oh. That music, that nemesis theme for that final battle, is just amazing. 
It's phenomenal the, when um, combined with the real cannon, and then the real cannon's countdowns. Yeah. Mm. I love the um, like the audio, like the computer voice, where it's like sort of like, oh, what does it say now? Sort of remind me, but it's cool. What does it say? It's a male what? computer voice. It's uh, connecting battery kind of thing. It's very yeah. nice. It's just checking I mean, the system. I, I found that very last confrontation for me actually was really the only letdown when you, when Nemesis was just mutated into that just big glob, you know loopiness thing that just looked looked like something out of the blob it, I, I found that very you know almost too easy i don't know how what you guys found i mean very much i mean compared to some of the confrontations with nemesis early on which i found particularly difficult that that one right at the end was actually quite a letdown i think for what it lacked it in challenge it made up for it in a set piece it was a, it was a much better set piece than it was an actual boss fight yeah yeah i'd agree with that yeah the design of a uh... Nemesis's final form was amazing as well. You can actually, uh, if you look closely, you can actually see the brain that's actually the Nemesis parasite. Mm. And then uh, you can Only see where... you would notice that. <laughs> it's just very, very, very good. It's probably the most uh, thought about, most well-designed of the Resident Evil games, I think. For years it passed me by as well that Nemesis actually feeds on the tyrant. I just completely missed that for years. I remember seeing a picture of that tyrant and everyone... Assuming it must be somehow Birkin. Because <laughs> it was. The one in the, uh, at the very end, yeah, where you see the dead tyrant. Yeah. Because uh, there was a lot made at the time, wasn't there, about it being set 24 hours before and after Resident Evil 2, and everyone was speculating if there was going to be any crossovers, like, you know, if you were in the RPD, for example, and you could see Ada running past out the window, something like that. And everyone was wondering if Birkin was going to somehow make an appearance. Oh god, the the theories that were flying around at the time. Like it you would say, be the, cool. the Nemesis identity was just hilarious. <laughs> it would be cool if like Birkin you didn't fight him but he made like a cameo appearance, like you saw him walking past somewhere and Yeah, j- yeah, just a bit more than Brad. Yeah. Well John mentioned something I'm sure I've missed then. What, where Nemesis feeds on the tyrants. This is you know this isn't what just after the cutscene when he he just gets um when you arrive in the, the waste when you arrive in the railgun room Nemesis drops down and he's a very very small sort of blob kind of thing with no yeah. head and yeah. then he he goes over and he eats from the tyrant that's embedded into the wall and then that's oh, what causes yeah. it to grow really really okay. large okay. and if you actually examine the tyrant afterwards you can see a piece of it is actually darkened where it's been eaten I think I think I always just presumed he just kind of mutated in that spot so did I yeah yeah no, oh, wow. yeah, it's ingesting or whatever he did, and yeah, it's good. The story is probably one of the best in the series as well. It's not the uh, there's not a lot of active stuff going on, but then once you get into the actual details behind what's going on, it's just really, really well written. Yeah, I mean Nikolai is a good antagonist, a good human antagonist oh, in the game. I was gonna say, would everyone think of having the UBCS as you know involved? I think he stands up to Wesker, you know, perfectly. I, I, I don't think he's sort of a poor man's Wesker or, um, you know, a cl- particularly cliched baddie. Um, he's a professional. Think, yeah, and the story as well. The just the, the relationship between those Umbrella Forces, you know, with with Carlos and then Jill and her, you know, her initial disgust at finding out who he works for. Yeah, I, th- I think it was really, really well written. The concept of the UBCS as well was very good. You know, mm. the idea of Umbrella employing all these ex-mercenaries to send them in the city under the guise of rescuing civilians, but it really it's all about collecting combat data and you've got all these, you know, monitors and supervisors running around. It was very, you know, very sort of cloak and dagger stuff. Mm. Very cool. 
And I like that because, again, you, you never trusted them because they're umbrella. You kind of followed Jill's kind of point of view, didn't you? Um, and then obviously Carlos saying, no, no, we're just here to help. We're here to help. And then you like Mikhail and then Nikolai just gradually gets more and more, more and more sinister in what he's doing. And, you know, kind of, as I said, it kind of adopts the Wesker role really from, from the first game. And then obviously by the time you meet him in the, what's that, a little kind of shack, isn't it, in the graveyard, he reveals his true intentions and, uh, you know, it's, it's good. That's a quite a good moment, I thought. And you're like, you are a bastard. I knew it. You're one of the survivors from the rescue team, right? I just ran into your teammate, Carlos. How did a girl like you manage to survive? Hey, I'm no ordinary civvy. I'm a member of Stars. Stars? You mean the RPD Special Force Team? Ugh. Hey. Is someone wounded back there? Oh, this looks bad. Oh, they're coming. Get ready. Ah, ah. Fire. Fire. Stay together. Calm down. You're safe now. Everything is going to be okay. So, Jill, did you decide to help us out? It looks like we're the only ones who survived. We should work together. No, we can't trust her. Why? But, Sergeant, we need her help. Our unit's down to you, me, and Lieutenant Mikhail. That's it. And Mikhail's hurt bad. If we don't cooperate, we won't be walking away from this mission. Then let's go over our plan. We're moving to the clock tower area, which is the designated landing zone for the extraction chopper. Once we get there and give the signal, the chopper will fly in and pull us out. That's a lot of ground to cover. I, I don't think we can make it on foot. The main problem we have is that the landing zone is cut off from here by the fire. So we have no choice but to use this cable car to navigate through it. Fortunately, we can also use it as a moving shield to get us through the worst areas. That works for me. Good plan, sir. Okay, people. Let's get moving. He's got very impressive survival skills as well. Because I know it's optional, but I'd love to know how he survives that explosion in the uh, Stagler gas station. With his knife. <laughs> like, I like how... In then, the uh, Mad Jackal campaign, he's just got a knife and a pistol with limited ammunition, and it's like just his knife. He's a, he's a, he's like. Don't you think he looks like the? Um, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but Under Siege Two, the movie Under Siege yeah, Two, it, the bad guy in it. He looks like the bad guy in that. He, he really does. He should have. He should have played Nikolai. He should. And don't forget, Assumption is the mother of all fuck ups. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you you remember that guy. And then later in the game, I'm sure you're on like the fourth floor of the hospital when he suddenly dives out the window. Yeah, I liked all that. It really helped expand the world and the universe and made it, for the first time, just feel really, really grand, I felt. All these extra characters and little subplots and mysteries going on. If you just look at the Skype chat, we should put that on the site, but look at that actor, Everett McGill, his name is, and look at that. Don't you think that's Nikolai? Yes. And look at that. That is Nikolai in like real life form. Yeah. 
Uh, it's him, yeah. Did that come before or after? Because I wouldn't be surprised if Capcom modelled it around him, actually. No, Under Siege 2 was like 1992. Oh, right, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised then. Because he actually wears combat clothing later, very similar to the UBCS, I seem to think. And he was like a knife specialist, too, you know, so there's that. Well, we know Capcom like the movies. They do, they do. This. And, and, and in fact, Resident Evil 3 is uh, littered with them, isn't there? I remember um, there's lots of pictures, isn't there, in the, in the gas station of... Uh, Back to the Future and whatnot, all plastered on the walls. Well, that's what's so great. I mean, even now, after the umpteenth time of playing it, just this evening, I picked up something I'd, I'd never read before. Um, just towards the beginning, there's just like a little poster on one of the walls that's advertising a concert that night, the Big E, uh, saying the Big E band. You know, and it's it's kind of it's interesting because you read these things, and there's something also in the in the hospital about a party being at Jack's bar. Um, at eight o'clock, I think that evening, and you know that none of these people made it to the to the party. And it's a, it's a bit better than Resident Evil Two because you got to spend more time actually in city streets. Um, I mean, I remember when Resident Evil Two was out, it's like, oh, get to finally go to Raccoon City, and you're like, well, you're not really. For a very brief moment, you're in Raccoon City. The rest of the time, you're kind of in very clear set pieces. Whereas Resident Evil Three was far more sprawling. And you, as you said, you got to go on the, you know, see all the graffiti and all, all the posters. Or I think there's a Resident Evil 4 poster as well, isn't there, or something like that. And um, as you said, you get you get a bit more feel of, of a thriving city, albeit a doomed one. Full of dodgy back alleys as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, we touched on the last podcast, didn't we? I think the uh, the fact that the shopping centre is bollocks. And <laughs> I don't quite know how that could ever <laughs> just one, Just one little alleyway, isn't it? <laughs> Raccoon City would be a scary place to walk around if there wasn't a zombie outbreak on, I think. I think so. I totally agree. <laughs> There's lovely little touches like that that also, I think it might have been Ridley pointed this out a while back, that above some of the door frames you've got that quite ominous biblical statement, this too shall pass, written across the door frames. Can I just say, the highlight for me for Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was the music, the soundtrack. But the music for the end credits was really nice. Mm. I like the credit music. It was it was a highlight for me. It's as it sounds. Right, okay. What else can we talk about? Characters. Yes, we yeah. Go, yeah, yes, we've kind of got ne- we've kind of touched on Nemesis, I suppose, and our theories. But it was it was good to play Jill again, I think, because obviously it was the first game where it was a recurring character, and so I remember her outfit causing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, teenagers of that age going, oh, hello. We we'll start with Jill. What is, was everyone happy to play with Jill again? Did she, did she fulfill the role that we knew her from Resident Evil 1? Yeah, it was great to have her back. And it was really, really nice to see her interact with like um, with Brad. And I think they, they did a really a good job of characterising her a reasonable amount. Uh, I don't I just don't rate the voice actress for her very much. She's a fairly good actress. Catherine Disher, I think her name is, but her voice just doesn't suit Jill. It's very high, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the noise when the when the nuclear bomb goes off and she gets they get the kind of blast radio? She goes, ah! <laughs> it's really high pitched. You know, unnaturally high, even for for anyway. But that's my opinion. But yeah. And of course, with Jill, you got all the different funny costumes, didn't you? And you get to go back to get the closet key, and you got to. I love the music in the boutique. I mean, that the, all the music in Resident Evil Three that I love it is all the music that's um, in the spirit of Resident Evil Two. The same theme. I know. I think John alluded to it. There's um, a lot more sort of faster, um, sort of heavier music, which is fine. But you know, there's the save room music from Resident Evil 3 uh, that Max is an absolute classic that you got before Resident Evil 2. You know, all those very melancholy kind of uh, almost wistful tracks. That the kind of music was incredible. So, George, did you like having Jill back? 
Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of recurring characters more than bringing new ones into the story, so we can, you know, just you know, always grow up with them and and, and get to see see them in, in in different aspects, and as you say, interact with other characters. So we've got that that interaction with Barry, and even though obviously you've got Carlos, I, I kind of got, I almost felt like Jill was more isolated on on and on her own more than in Resident Evil One, where you, you know you. You're, you're going around in the mansion, but you always feel that, you know, Barry or Wesker in the sense that, you know, you think he's still on your side or, or Chris, so, you know, we're near to hand. Um, I kind of felt, you know, this was a, a greater challenge for her. And um, yeah, I'm very happy to see her back. I'd love to know what she was up to for like seven days. <laughs> <laughs> and what that building was that she gets thrown out from at the very, very beginning. It's <laughs> yeah. a hotel, isn't it? Yeah, I've always, I mean, I've yeah, always presumed it to maybe be the hotel that you see her sitting on the edge of the bed in the epilogue. Yes, 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 something like that. Um, news bottle, did, were, you, were you pleased with, with Jill's portrayal in this? Do you think she was accurately uh, represented? Yeah, I thought it was very good. I didn't find a problem with her voice actress. It kind of reminded me of uh, Regina's voice actress in Dana Crisis, but and that kind of made me like her more, I suppose. Mm. Then there's a... Regina's actual costume. There and she actual yes. costumes as well. That was pretty neat. Love that. Cool. Uh, anyone else want to say anything about Jill? No, Fuck Jill. Jill. Oh, yes. <laughs> but this is Jill before the Jill Illuminados turned up. Doesn't matter. She used to be good, but we have to let it go. We've got to let it go now. She's tarnished by their filth. I, th- I think Resident Evil <laughs> a lot. You know, apart from... We'll move, move on to Carlos, I suppose. He, he was the other main person in there with his sexy accent as they say <laughs> an, an interesting character again he didn't have much he, he didn't seem to have much of a backstory but a little bit of digging and you kind of you know you can get a bit of information from all the uh the supplemental material and you know who's basically forced to become a mercenary and etc but i thought i thought he, he was okay and uh, it's strange I, I can't i couldn't really particularly criticize him but i I mean, the characters around him, specifically from his team, I found more interesting than him. I I think just from the early interactions, um, you could have barbecued both of us. You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I was certainly paying attention to, to, you know, to the other characters. Uh, I mean, I even found Dario Rosso kind of more interesting than, for, for some reason. Maybe he felt a bit cliched. As just you know this mercenary, but then he almost his character was kind of a contradiction with what he was doing because he came over. I, I found him come over quite soft. So it's interesting what Newsbot says about how he, he can become even softer if you choose a particular option when you jump out of the bus that you're taking. But um, is, is it a bus? Yeah, no, cable car, isn't it? Tram. Tram the tram thing. Yeah, but no, I found I don't know. Did anyone else find him just almost a bit effeminate? He didn't bother me so much in in three. I sort of see what they were trying to do with him they try and like sort of make him out to be the all-american hero but with you know a lack of desire to actually want to be it at times but he's the most mishandled character of them all upon revisiting him because he's useless in umbrella chronicles and hopeless in uh, operation raccoon city they just yep. have no idea what to do with him because he's, he was such a odd character to begin with you know capcom just clearly at a loss and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i've never seen him again Mm. He's, a, he's, a t- he's a tricky one. Carlos. He's a bit like he's a bit like Billy, isn't he? he? Kind of falls in that same category of yeah. But at least yeah. Billy had a sort of background to him that 
you know, defined him as a character, so to speak, gave him an air of mystery. I mean, Carlos is just, he just likes the lady. <laughs> but you, expect, you expected Billy to just sort of bugger off and never be seen again because he was just like someone on the run, wasn't he? But yeah. I always expected Carlos to come back because at the end of the game, you know, you feel as though he wants to join the fight against Umbrella like the rest of them. And he is in the epilogue picture, isn't he? Mm-hmm. At the, um, the Barry ending in the bar. Is he? You know when you finish the game as Barry... Uh, with Barry, sorry, helping you out. And you mm. get the ranking picture. Yep. Jill and Barry in a bar. Carlos is in the background. Uh, oh, yes, of course he is. Yes, he is. Yes, sitting. yes, of course he is. Sorry. Or if Barry doesn't come, it looks like Jill and Carlos go on a cruise together. Mm. <laughs> but it does stand... You <laughs> do wonder why... That's where they are. They're do... on the <laughs> You do wonder why Carlos was never given an epilogue. I actually... I asked the, the writer, Colin Moore, whenever I interviewed him, why he and Nikolai and Rebecca didn't get epilogues and he said it's because for Rebecca it was because uh, Zero was being written at the same time and it was meant to deal with her and mm. it didn't in the end and uh, oh, wow. for Carlos and Nicola it's because Resident Evil 3 was originally written as a, like, a Gaiden so they didn't want Gaiden characters showing up later on because it was just like a one shot thing because they were already written before Resident Evil 3 was made part of the actual storyline ah very good it's, it sounds like a really stupid reason, but they're all very picky for some reason. Well, I could understand that at the time, but like say when, um, I mean, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but when Umbrella Chronicles came out in 2007, considering they had a voice actor for the character of Carlos in the Resident Evil 3 portion, why not just stick him in as one of the soldiers in Umbrella's End, even if you just heard him over the radio? You know, surely that's better than never hearing from him again. Yeah, it's... They could have even written a sort of send out for him, couldn't they? Where he, you know, he decides it's not for him or whatever and just bookended yeah. his character a little bit. Something. He and Rebecca have this, this unfinished tale. They might, they may as well turn up in the same game together. Because I don't like loose ends, like char- characters. So I don't mind the odd occasional story aspect not being resolved, but characters, I like to see them bow out if they're never going to be in it again. Mm. Especially because this series is really bad for killing off its its main yeah. good guys. He could have even been killed in Umbrella's End, and yeah. uh, it actually having some kind of weight or drama to that s- scenario. Yeah, and they continued to bring they brought him back in uh, Operation Raccoon City as well, didn't they? But he just is so characterless. It's yeah, he's got that hideous face as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks like he's had like years of plastic surgery done to him. Apparently, he did have years of plastic surgery done to him though. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it says he uh, changed his name and face to erase his past when he joined UGCS. So. Thank God that didn't come out back in the day because there'd been theories he'd be Wesker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know that. That's a bit more information. There's a, lot, there's a lot of minor characters in Resident Evil 3 that you kind of see scattered about. And I suppose Mikael is another one of them. I liked him. He's awesome, yeah. He gets a real hero send-off. He does. It's a, it's a shame he doesn't actually kill the nemesis, because you'd like to think it would. Um, but he, he goes out in style. Especially if you get to the tram car a different way, and um, he's rolling barrels at zombies and blowing them up. Brilliant. Mm. <laughs> yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah, oh, blimey. I... He kicks a couple of barrels toward a group of zombies and detonates them using his rifle. At and, he's, and he's pretty much shell-shocked as well. Mm. Now, who's the black guy that decides to commit suicide with, with the grenade? Tyrell Patrick. Okay. Yeah. Now, but so the other guy then, Murphy Seeker. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure because of obviously the way I play it or the, or the, the order that I do it, I've never seen him because he comes on screen, doesn't he, Murphy Seeker, in the office? And I don't think I've ever seen him in, in the place. Yeah, he's down by the safe, isn't he? If you go to the basement first in the hospital, 
he opens mm. that safe which has a bomb inside it and it just blows up in his face and destroys <sighs> the basement. Okay. If you want, I think you uh, Tiles' appearances just depend on which floor, once you reach the hospital, which floor you go to first. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm thinking of the wrong one. Uh, Murphy's the one in the yeah, pharmaceutical Murphy. building, isn't he? If yeah. you want to see... Carlos. Yeah, if you want to see uh, if you want to see Murphy's death scene, you need to go straight from the cable car to the gas station. It's hilarious, right. isn't it? Carlos that's... just goes off at him. Because yeah. that's got... I've never seen that. No. If you go to the gas station first thing, then Nikolai turns up there instead of Carlos. So then, if you go to the press office, Carlos will be there. Yeah. Okay. There's blood everywhere. It flies at the screen. <laughs> oh, and I think we, we've 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 talked about him, but easily one of the stars of the game. Is Dario Rosso the first um, NPC that you come across after you just make it into that kind of like warehouse area? Uh, oh, the guy, the guy that locks himself in the lobby. <laughs> no, go away! I'm not coming out. <laughs> His voice actor is actually Nemesis as well. So. Stars. Oh, how pretty! How pretty cool! Oh, that's a good pub quiz trivia question. Not that it ever come up in a pub quiz, but he does have a very fairy voice, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, he, he's he's quite interesting because you can come back to him, can't you? He, <laughs> he, he, come he did actually come out. He, yeah, and he gets yeah. mauled. You get his diary, don't you? Yeah. That's yeah. A, so that's another little tiny thing that yeah, because if you go back to pick up his diary at the right in the right order, then you know you get Jules' diary at the end, don't you? But you have, you have to go back and get his diary in that order. Yeah, there's a correct order to get all the files in. Yeah. That just adds to the replayability, isn't it? Because the first time you complete it, you don't really care. You just want to complete it. But when you find out these things, you go, you know, that sounds like a good challenge. And there's that little crank at the beginning, isn't there, where you could, yeah. the shell, you know, you want, to, you want to come back there. And that, that's a big backtracking thing, but you're thinking, oh, but there's quite a lot there, yeah. There's a few more nice touches as well. Like if you go around the alleyways around the bar Blackjack, the second mm. time around, there's like a few extra civilian bodies on the floor that weren't there first time around. Oh, that's good. Just like you know, nice little touches like that. Mm. And I mean, and also, yeah, with with, with the backstory, because even a character as peripheral as Dario Rosso, isn't he the guy that laments the fact that he was he wanted to be a novelist? Um, Extraordinary. Really, quite depressing. You know, he's, he knows that's never going to happen, and you know, there's just little bits of despair all over the place, which I really, really like. And can you remember where he was staying? He was at the Apple Inn, wasn't he? He's yeah. in the guest list at the Apple Inn. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> See, George, you're missing it on Outbreak, man. Yeah, yeah, we go again, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so, I mean, who else? I can't remember who else we come across. You've got lots of the UBCS, as, the, uh, as we've talked about. Um, Their diaries were great, reading some of the um, yeah. Merck's diaries. Yeah. Because none of, none of them wanted to be there, really. A lot killed themselves. The story of the, um, the UBCS guy saving the people in the clock tower is a really nice little story. Is that yeah. the one that you see the dead, the dead one? I think, isn't he cradling... The mayor's yeah. daughter. Yeah. It's just a random girl, isn't it, who turned up there? Yeah, but he just protects them, doesn't he? And it, it they're sort of frozen in that position of him protecting them. Mm. Yeah, you can see one UBS soldier just caught in a web. Yeah. And just surrounded by spiders. And then you see him in the next room with just dead with, alongside the girl. Yeah. I suppose that brings us nicely on to the other BOWs, because I, I, th- I always found it quite odd that they didn't include liquors. Um, I, know, I know we had the kind of the, the new ones being the the drain demios and the uh, brain suckers, but I always found it quite odd considering how big liquors were for Resident Evil 2. They didn't bring them in. I know we have again we have the Hunter One Two One beaters as their kind of replacement, but uh, I, I don't think the beaters were as good as my personal view. I never thought they were as scary as the. They're, they're because they were so much easier to kill now. I think mm. that was the that's problem. actually that was actually part of their. 
Yeah, they were meant to be defected. That's why yeah, they got yeah. them like tumor. I, I, I loved having the hunters back. I really did. I didn't mind. I just think that you know, I didn't think that the demios and brain suckers were particularly good creatures, and I thought that you know you could have just had the normal the normal liquors in their place. Personally, but I, I was just happy to have something that wasn't a slightly enlarged animal. You know, um, I think they were just trying to go for new enemies overall. Yeah, mm. except the grave digger, of course, George. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I've always struggled to get my head around, the two hunters that are in the tubes in the hospital. The gammas, yeah. Why are they there? Yeah, because surely the hunters weren't transported into Raccoon City till after the events of Resident Evil 2. Yeah, if the hospital staff caught them. The last of the hospital staff died on like September 26th. So I've never really understood so why, why they're there. Yeah. They, were, they were sent in along with the hunter betas. Mm. And, but it must have been just before shit got real real i think it was probably about september 25th 6th right before the ebs were sent in before the transported bow's in good mm. said they uh transported them all in from the chicago branch yeah i mean i suppose that's the only way that makes sense but then you know we don't see them in resident evil 2 obviously but mm. we know we know why that happens of course but still I-, I did like the gammas actually i thought they were a nice take on it and the fact that they could swallow you whole yeah in a well, one shot fucking hell that was always annoying yeah yeah, yeah that was that was quite cool and i thought the whole park sequence was quite good you know because you know they, they just they could just that, literally jump out couldn't they the first time um the series ever used a weather kind of effect because it rained with no music and the atmosphere yeah. was just phenomenal playing that for the first time that was, was nice re- that yeah yeah. It was really like I was actually I think my jaw dropped because I just thought you know the series hadn't done anything like like this and it was it just it actually felt like you were outside mm. and quite vulnerable to everything. But they, they they did cram a lot of enemies in you know if you think, they said you got the drain demos you got the, the the two types of hunters the brain suckers you had the sliding worms as well um, yeah the crows the zombies the dogs the spiders you had a lot more zombies as well because that kind of mm. emphasised the feeling that, that you were at the height of the destruction before you know kind of um, Leon and Clara walking around quite deserted streets you know with almost the, just the straggling zombies that were left and that scene in the electrical room when or you can I think a similar one outside the gas station when the whole building is just converged with zombies yes yes but yeah, you just—I you know, just think they—they they put a lot in, and you know, obviously there wasn't a lot of boss BOWs at all. If it was only the Nemesis and the Gravedigger, but I, I think it worked though, because the Nemesis did present different threats at each time you encountered him, whether or not it—you know—whether it was just in tentacle mode or rocket launch. I mean, when he first turns up with the rocket launcher in the police station, I mean, you know, shit. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, okay, yeah, he's he's strong enough, and now he wants a rocket launcher as well. Mate, uh, it's simply phenomenal. And then, you know, then obviously he, he mutates, and then you have a few battles with him when he's on, you know, basically on LSD. And, you know, I, I think it worked. I think, I think it worked very well, and we've already said oh. how difficult the last boss battle was. Um, in the, in the, in the uh, churchyard, in the church, that was that was rather epic. When, when you got infected again, you just weren't expecting that. Suddenly to be going, you know, you had the tentacle put through you. You're like, oh, okay, I'm now poisoned. I'll be saved. And then you just pass out. You're like, is that it? <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed what you like that, that part when you take over as Carlos and you go to um, create the antidote. It, it's, it's one of the few sort of little sub games, well, not sub games, but you know, where you just take over almost a cameo role of another character that it's I enjoy. Yeah, I, really, I, really I've good. always found being Sherry in Resident Evil 2 just uh, annoying. 
waiting as she climbs up those steps you know like this oh. little person that oh and that little thing she does the, which is obviously kind of a nice realistic touch but of her struggling to get up the steps it's just so slow yeah, there's, there's sometimes where she just climbs up normally and then there's sometimes where she tries and then her leg falls off and she <laughs> yeah. tries again yeah so, um, so, so you like playing as carlos despite the fact so yeah, that, of, that, of the clear good. the clear sexist overtones no woman can move this bell <laughs> but thankfully, me, Carlos, man, can push Bell. <laughs> no, it's because you have that in Resident Evil Zero as well with Billy, mm. who's able to turn something that Rebecca can't turn. Yeah. But it's strange. It's always been one of... Obviously, you know Resident Evil 3 takes takes place before Resident Evil 2, and, and you know it kind of takes place at, at the same time as well as you're playing, but the whole shortness of Carlos's little adventure, if you like, you don't really fully aware of how long he just spends time just tendering to her, doing nothing. Well, he spends like nearly a day and a half. Doing sod all. And he goes, you know yeah. what? She's been infected. There's a hospital next door. Perhaps there's something there. <laughs> what the hell have you been doing? What, probably jacking off to her or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> do, uh, That's awful. I do like his... Um, examination description after the uh, hospital has blown up is amazing. Has anyone ever tried that? <laughs> when when the hospital's blown up, just turn around and examine the ruin, and it just says, there was a hospital here. <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. It's brilliant. But it's gone now. Rescuing you is becoming a full-time job. Thanks, Carlos. I owe you. Listen closely, Jill. They're going to launch a missile directly into the city as soon as day breaks. At dawn? But, but that's only... I know. We don't have much time left. We have to split up and find a way out of here. And hey, watch out for that traitor Nikolai. Also, I say moving, uh, slightly moving the conversation onwards, the, the puzzles in this game were quite difficult. Fucking hell, that thing, mm. the, the water... They were, they, at least they were actual puzzles rather than just fetch quests, so... Yeah. To be honest, I still don't know the correct numbers and everything with the um, obsidian puzzle. I just, I just, ran, keep, I just keep doing it till it works. <laughs> I do that with the, the one in the gas station where you've got to press them four buttons. Yeah. I, I've never worked out how. To, I mean, I just randomly press stuff, and, and I yeah. kind of almost have an idea. I it's weird because I kind of have an idea what I'm doing, but not entirely. It's straight. Yeah, it's like almost my subconscious kind of sort of knows what's going on, but I my general brain doesn't. But yeah, the the, the thing at the end when you're is it the water purification when you've got oh, to match up that that I bad, cannot ever do. <laughs> the one in the uh, the parks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't like those fucking noises there because each time I get it wrong, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the details, but the one in the park was also a bit of a bitch. That little fountain thing. Yeah. The, the, oh, the cogs is just a sliding block puzzle. That's yeah. Crazy. That's it. Oh, I, I remember taking ages on that one the first time. I thought, well, I perhaps it's just me for that one. But there's good puzzles. I think at least, you know, Resident Evil 2 didn't have them as much, but this one, they're, they're everywhere, weren't they? And, uh, it's, it's debatably the last real-time puzzles were in the series, yeah. actually, isn't it? And Paul's right, actually. They were more than, you know, a lot of the Resident Evil 2 ones were effectively just, you know, moving object A from, mm. you know, B to C. I mean, I, I still have to use a game guide to, to do that bloody water purification thing. <laughs> there's a few in Code Veronica, was, um, the oil one in Code Veronica. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think they weren't really fiendish, though, were they? You, no. you get you got them first time. 
in Code Veronica. There was a structure that was the same every time. Whereas like the uh, the clock puzzle and the water purification one, they uh, were actually different to each playthrough. The clocks would be in a different position. Mm. And also making, is it M-base? When you're making the antidote. That is the same, I think, isn't it? That's just when, put, it, put it in the machine, isn't it? You get the. No, when you've yeah, got you to like. You've got to alter the. Alter you've the got to alter the levels, yeah. Yes, yes, it yes. It is the same each time. That one. But no, I, I found that quite tricky. I think you know, look, looking at it, it was it was probably the quintessential Resident Evil game. It had everything that you wanted, although it definitely had a different feel to the other games because you felt you're constantly being stalked, mm. and this was this was unique. Um, mm. you, ne- you never really felt that in previous games. Uh, even even if you knew kind of like Birkin was around or Mr. X, you didn't think he was following you, but you knew he was following you. And I, I remember like you know when you turn up in the, in the RPD after you fought him for the first time, and then you just go to the stairs, or as you come back from the Star's office, the Nemesis music starts. Oh, yeah. starts yeah. Fucking hell! That sort of foreshadowing music. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Yeah. That was. Uh, I don't. I'm not going downstairs. I'm not, I'm, going, I'm going back. You say that, Nick, but the great thing about the structure of the game was, and it was the first time Resident Evil did it, and Code Veronica did it to some extent as well, was that, like, if you felt Nemesis was in an area and you didn't want to go there, you could actually, unlike Resident Evil 2, go to a different place. You know, you, you there wasn't a set structure. You know, mm. if you wanted to go to the gas station first, you could do, or you could go to the pharmaceutical office. Mm. You know, and, and, and I think Nemesis almost helped you drive those decisions, because sometimes you would go down a street and think, oh, fucking hell, Nemesis, I'm going to go this way instead. And, mm. and it Absolutely. would be different each time. I mean, I remember one time, um, you know, being forced into the restaurant, going down into the basement, and then Nemesis smashed the restaurant to bits. I could hear him <laughs> destroying it upstairs. And then all the water starts leaking in. Mm. Um, it bursts like a water main. And, you know, that wouldn't happen every time. It was really sort of forced events based on Nemesis. It was, you know, you, you, absolutely. And I, I just think throughout the game, you just get this kind of unnerving tension that is different. It, it's manifestly different to what you got in the previous games. And it's something I don't think has ever really been replicated properly in other games. It's, I suppose it's a bit like the Silent Hill experience, I think. You know, that kind of, oh my God moment I, I don't know i don't know I, I just i just think it's very unique for the series uh and something that they should possibly should consider just maybe one big boss guy following you throughout well like i say we'll see what this revelations enemy's like oh yes of course yes nice link nice rumored, link. rumor it is rumored to be a stalker enemy that comes at different times each time you play it there's different ways around the ship you can take as well to get to the same place Ooh. so it could we... be could be really excellent actually mm. I can't wait. I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, that's a good point I hadn't thought before. You know, depending on each time you play the game, even if you've got a particular set route that you're wanting to take, you know, there's going to be unforeseen circumstances and you're low on health than you'd want to be. And then suddenly you're right. You, 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 you'll want to go down a, a, a different route, you know, if you want to avoid Nemesis. And then suddenly, you know, there's the replayability for you. You're, you're, you know, you're doing a completely different route than you normally take. The good thing as well was the fact that the um, the weapons were mixed up a little bit. Like, you could go into the Star's office and sometimes it'd be the Magnum and sometimes it'd be oh, the grenade launcher. That's so annoying when it's the grenade launcher first, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because you get freeze rounds. You can. Start oh, freeze, freeze rounds are the best ever. And <laughs> Nemesis just falls to freeze rounds. He does, he does. Uh, they should bring back freeze rounds. They were, they were awesome. They did, in five. They did, you're right, in five, yeah. <laughs> acid rounds were the best to use. Acid rounds. No, Nemesis, God, if you hit him with freeze rounds, I think it slows him down. Yeah, you're and... right. 
he just he just to be honest it robs all the challenge if you make a lot of freeze rounds i used to just presume actually that they were the weakest and i remember the first time i used them and, and your wife was was stunned by how well they worked if you hit a zombie they would fall back and shatter nice nice at least uh, that's always been a bugbear actually because you've always got grenade rounds that split except in resident evil when biohazard one and i think remake as well you have explosive rounds as opposed to grenade rounds and explosive rounds are more like um, just a single single bolt that came out and exploded. Whereas in all the other games, they had grenade rounds that split three ways. No, three had the same as Res 1, Bio 1. Oh, did it? What, explosive? Yeah, it just had the single shot boom, as opposed to but the bearing rounds, they, they were called. Ah, uh, bearing, okay. But they weren't called explosive rounds. That was unique, but it has one explosive, wasn't it? I thought it was. Never mind, that's not, a, that's not an important point. Don't let me ramble on about crap. <laughs> um, right, okay. Um, we discussed it, I, I think, briefly. I don't know if we wanted to go into detail the epilogues because what oh, yes. I, I particularly liked was, you know, the, the end of Resident Evil 2, I mean, the very end of Resident Evil 2 for me was just too upbeat. You, you just had Leon and Claire playing happy families with, with Sherry and, and, oh, I saw it in a movie and, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just, I, and Resident Evil 3, you know, almost, um, I mean, you've got the the elation of Jill's last escape, but then obviously tinged with the complete tragedy of, of Rackin City's destruction. And then you read the epilogues and, and the, particularly, I don't want to put too much into music, but the the music that plays with while you're reading the epilogues for me is fantastic. And you've got Barry having to leave his family mm. and you've got Sherry, you know, parentless and, and no one in the world, you know, and, and, and she's she, she's there, you know, with this, um, you know, very shadowy, you know, organisation. Um, Leon, you know, bent over a barrel. And then, I mean, brilliant one with Chris and, you know, sort of wistfully looking at this girl that reminds him of his sister. And, and they're all quite downbeat, which I really liked, you know, put a real kind of realism into what was, you know, how this tragedy was affecting everyone's lives. Absolutely, absolutely. I was just going to say, and of course, it's the first time you, you, we actually had confirmation that Hunk was supposed to be alive because uh, he got his own epilogue. Because obviously he had the kind of fourth survivor, but I think at the time no one was quite sure whether or not this is a bit of fun or is it something important. And then um, it kind of put Hunk into the foray, and it's the only kind of time still to this day we've seen the, the, seen the face. Always made me laugh how um, series hero Chris uh, is just, I don't know, sat somewhere in Europe looking like he's in a restaurant or a cafe. Everyone else is making very hefty decisions about what they're going to do with their future. Chris is just sat in a restaurant. Rib eye, really the And it's interesting, both the epilogues of Jill and Claire are very similar. I mean, they both effectively are going off to look for Chris. And obviously, we know with Code Veronica that Claire ends up being reunited. But um, I think, if I'm right to remember, I'm reading Jill's. It's basically exactly the same. She finds Chris's knife, doesn't she? And then she just goes off looking for him. Yeah, what? that's an untold story. Why the knife is blooded and... Who who went looking for Chris in that hideout? Yeah, because yeah, what did you find it in a cave or something? In a hi- it's hideout. Just, it's just described as Chris's hideout. He <laughs> found mm. <laughs> a little treehouse in someone's garden. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else was it? What else was there? Leon's was interesting, wasn't it? Cause yeah, because was... Adam Benford in it now. It was very um, ambiguous at the time. Cause it came across like they were threatening Sherry's life. Yeah. And, oh, the the guy in it's Wesker. <laughs> it looks like he's got sunglasses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're all so young and innocent, coming up with wild ideas. Yes, but yeah, I mean that, that's quite nice with the uh, with that all. Dark Side did a nice remake of Leon's epilogue, actually. Mm. I think they actually added a bit of dialogue to clarify that they weren't going to kill Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, is there any kind of closing comments that anyone wants to say about the game? It gets criticised a lot, but I really don't think any of it is really warranted. 
mm-hmm. at least compared to the likes of Zero, which is painfully slow and kind of boring. John's got a lot to say about that, but we'll we'll save that. It's quite short, the game, isn't it? It, it is, yes. I think if it was released now, it would be like DLC to Resident Evil 2, if you know, if that came out recently, for example. And the thing is, compare it to the, the length of Resident Evil 2, and then obviously Code Veronica, which came out afterwards. Well, it's half the game of Code Veronica. Is it considerably smaller than Resident Evil 2? Well, Resident Evil 2, it only takes maybe two and a half hours to get through it on a comfortable run. But then you've got three other scenarios to play, whereas you could complete yeah, yeah. Resident Evil 3 in two hours, and or even an hour and a half if you do a speed run. And that's it, there's, the no, with... there's no more scenarios. The thing with Resident Evil 2, though, it, it was smoke and mirrors, wasn't it? You did do the same thing nearly every time. It just, yeah. Um, whereas, I, I mean, Resident Evil 3 had the last ability for me f- because of the epilogues. Back when it was the vanilla PS1 version, you had to finish the game each time to unlock an epilogue. Mm. I think, weren't, they, weren't they accessed from the beginning on the Dreamcast version and PC and subsequent GameCube version or whatever? Oh, well, I know I play, I'm sure I, I played Resident Evil 3 first on GameCube and you had to what you had to complete it each time to get another epilogue. Oh, that's that's good then, because it, yeah, it retains... It's also the only game I ever got an S, uh, ranked S on, and you all know how shy I am at these games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's the easiest game on the main series to finish. Even playing on hard mode, within mm. the first 20 minutes, you can have like nine green herbs. Yeah. Yeah, and loads yeah, of ink ribbons. I don't even yeah. know why they're bothered with actually collectible ink ribbons because but I think by the time you finish, even if you save nearly every time, you're still going to have about 20 left in the bank. Oh, yes, there's a, oh, and the first aid spray collections as well. Couldn't you? you could put three together. Kill Nemesis. To make that. Yeah, Nemesis dropped them as well, didn't they? Mm. Uh, well, I suppose that's another thing we haven't touched on, the the kind of weapons, the, the additional secret weapons. I loved the purple eagle handgun. Yeah. It was one of the first times you had a... I think it was the first time a pistol had returned in the series since the director's cut, where it, which had the chance for headshots. Because oh. if you played the advanced mode on the director's cut, the Beretta used to do a similar thing. It occasionally would do magnum damage. And the Eagle 6.0 was that kind of thing. It had that crit chance. And then you had the funny kind of... I don't know, it's not a sewn-off shotgun, was it? But that little small kind of shotgun. The Terminator 2 shotgun. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, of course it was, yeah. That's got cool. There's nothing else, was there? Mind thrower. The Gatling gun, which just takes bloody ages to actually fire, you know, pick it up and then turn it around, then it finally releases. Couldn't you get uh, special ammo as well? Didn't you, couldn't you get blue-tipped shotgun shells? Or am I just making that up? Whoa, I've not heard of that before. I think you're making that up. Fair enough. Sorry. It's all right. Be good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. But the mind thrower is fair. I'm not sure. Did anyone ever use it? I used, I used it on the Nemesis fight in the clock tower. Fire about yeah. six, six at him and then yeah, run away. away. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Fire the ball and then run off. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can't use another weapon, can you, until they've discharged? Mm. If you then swap to your, to like, I know, Magnum or something, you, you can't, I'm sure you can't shoot, it won't let you shoot it until the mines have exploded. I always did it one at a time because I always, always had the view that if you fire them all quickly, that the game wouldn't recognise and give the accurate damage to the nemesis if you fire them all <laughs> so quickly. Because it'd be like, it'd look like, boom, 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 yeah, boom. And he's like, you know, surely just wait to get up, down, get up, down. It's very yeah. handy because if he picks you up and he's about to stick his tentacle in your face, sometimes one of them will detonate and it makes him drop you. Ah, oh, that's cool. Because in hard mode, he only has to pick you up once, doesn't he? Or he picks you up once, throws you at the ground and picks you up again and it's instant death, isn't it? I've yes. only played it on hard mode. I don't know what easy is like. Um, easy mode, when you start on easy mode, which of course I started on, uh, your inventory starts off with the shotgun. Oh, right. Okay. You don't even have to go and find it. When Brad drops, not drops it, but it's in that room, Brad runs out from, isn't it? That's where he is, if I remember. It's quite well, early. 
Sorry, I, thought, I thought Brad put up a very poor fight against the Nemesis. <laughs> he just cowers in. He's, been, he's a member of Stars, and he just—I mean, I know he's Chicken Heart, yeah, he's but chicken. Yeah, he just cowers in the corner and gets a tentacle through his skull. Yeah, that is one of the coolest moments, though. Yeah, in the whole series. Going back to the weapons, there was enhanced ammo as well, wasn't there? Yeah. If you created if you created ammo with the gunpowder a certain amount of times, it would end, end up just churning out uh, enhanced bullets. Oh. You can so get a, enhanced shotgun yeah. shells and enhanced handgun bullets. Oh, so Bats, were you, were you right? Was it? Yeah, I thought I remember seeing that. So how do you get that? It's just the weird just, combinations you do with the the powder. Just, yeah, you just keep adding like all the AAAs, AAAs, and BBBs and BBBs, and then eventually it will come up with a prompt saying, "Would you like to make enhanced?" Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And then it would turn the the Beretta into like the Beretta S, it used to be called. But it would hit harder. Make a different slight slightly different sound as well, I think, when you fired it. I've n I didn't well, know. Well there that. you go. That you know, this game's near what, over four nearly what, thirteen years old. The icons for the enhanced bullets all look pretty cool as well. <laughs> They're coming like brown got black boxes. Box bullets, I think. Yeah. So yeah. you get that by just what just by combining vari- a variation of A A, a and B? No, just um, all the A's together. You just keep okay. on combining A's together and eventually you'll get a prompt. And the same with B's, because if you combined A and B, then it would make grenade rounds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll try that. That's interesting. Mm. Okay, um, I think we can, if I ask everyone what their favourite moment of the game was, we can wrap things up. Batman, what would you say your favourite moment was? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Uh... This, is, this is very hard. Mm. Yeah, it is very hard, because I do. I love the whole game. I did like the little sequence where you escape on the uh, the tram. Mikhail's sort of sacrifice. That's good. Uh, that was a nice little scene, and the whole little bit where you're running around the clock tower and Nemesis shoots the helicopter down. I think that was... Mm. That whole little bit where you're running around the clock tower was quite ominous. That was probably my favourite bit. Uh, George, what's your favourite moment? Yeah, it is hard. I, I mean, I was just absolutely... Just like a overexcited girl just thrilled to go back into the rpd okay um, and just you know see the doors that have been barricaded you know before the you know they're, they're, they're smashed through presumably you know by the time you get to re2 and i think did sean mention it that is a great scene when you go at the, the back of the park and there's just complete silence and the rain's coming down but i would have to just say the walking through the confined alleyway of the, the parties for the Raccoon City shopping district and knowing that Nemesis is not, you know, going to be at that junk, you know, where you've got that junction, the fork, you know, where you can either go off to the gas station or, or carry on to where you, where you get on the tram. Um, that's, you know, just, just, just that, that, those confrontations with Nemesis. Mm. Oh, and doesn't he burst through the wall as well? When you're, oh, that, the, the room where you light the Jack, Queen and King and, and you think you've done him in and then, but then he bursts through the, the wall. That's Resident Evil 2, that, isn't it? I think I've got the, yeah. That's why it's brilliant because it's so similar. <laughs> it's the tyrant that bursts through the wall, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Newsbot, favourite um, moment? Probably the moment you find the uh, missile location thing. And then from that point on, it's just spectacular, I think. It's one of the best endings to any game ever. It is, I do, I do agree. Uh, Stars Tyrant? Um, it's a tie between three, uh, and I'll brief. Um, it's the clock tower was the game where the moment where the game elevated and became so much more than Resident Evil 2 for me because it was a bit of a repeat running through the streets and that I felt it was the clock tower where it really found itself the park for as I described earlier just for just a, an atmosphere that you know not really been seen again really since and uh, yeah the ending with Nemesis 
mm. in, in the railgun room because the music is just unbelievable. And like uh, like Newsbot said, combined with like the missile and the railgun countdown, it just led to this finale, which was just well, it, it, you just I was just rendered unable to speak the first time I played it. It was just like nothing I'd ever experienced in storytelling and set piecing before. In you know certainly what we'd been known to expect. Sure. Uh, for, for completeness, my I'll just say my favourite moment. I, it's very hard. It, it the the whole end sequence was just beautifully directed. Um, and, and as I said earlier, you kind of you feel kind of like oh, you know I've spent so long in that city over two games and it's just all gone. And I don't think it was ever replicated that well without break either. And even the subsequent games, the, 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 the direction of three with the music just you know that kind of black and white style that they had and that was that was brilliant and uh it's tied between that and the first time you see the nemesis you know you, you have all the tidbits of brad brad looks petrified you know in the beginning part of the game and you're like what the hell what's he worried about because he's coming for us he's coming for us you're like okay calm down mate calm down and you know and then then you see why and then you realize instantly okay he's a lot more tougher than mr x and from there onwards, I thought it was just brilliant. Um, we'll move on to scores. I will say this was the only uh, Resident Evil game that scored 10 out of 10 from the official PlayStation magazine, thus beating Resident Evil 2. Uh, but, um, George, what, what would you give out of 10? Well, I think I gave, or I should have at least given Resident Evil 2 9 out of 10. So this game has to get 10 out of 10. There we go. Uh, Star's turn? 10. 10. <laughs> Newsbot? 10. Batman? 10. It's a, well, it's a 10 for me, absolutely. Uh, I, assume, right, so uh, I'm, I thought I was going to have Rouse tonight. I really thought that I'd be the only person that thought it was better than Resident Evil 2. I've got, I've got a whole fucking point to, that I can rant at you lot if you disagree. <laughs> no the thing is, The thing is, ironically, you say that, I think when I, when I think back in retrospect, I always remember Resident Evil 2 as the better game. But mm. every time I play 3, I have the best time. Yeah. And it's just, you know... Yeah, I'm afraid I played three before I played two. I think if you played two first, there might be more of an argument to say two was better. But just just in finality then, why can they never get the Nemesis voice right now? <laughs> Who knows? perfection in Resident Evil 3, the way he utters stars. Now it's all robotic and crap. They could just literally do a copy and paste job, I don't understand. Uh-huh. You know, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I couldn't let you die. Is... is it you? Are you ready to finish this? It's coming! Yeah. It's the end.
Based on that fact, Raccoon City has been literally wiped off the map. Current reports have the death toll surpassing the 100,000 mark. Our hearts go out to those poor civilians of Raccoon City. Well, that, that, yeah, interesting points there from everyone. Um, that does conclude our Resident Evil 3 podcast. It's a lo- the long-awaited one, but uh, I think it was worth waiting for. So thank you very much, gentlemen. That's some interesting points we've raised. We do have some call-ins this week. Uh, two call-ins for us all to listen to. So uh, our first call-in is from uh, Crimson Elder, our resident Welsh member. So let's take a look see what he has to say. Hey, guys. It's Crimson Elder again from the PU forms and Crimson Elder Elder forms, a former member of Thaya. I just wanna wanna say that uh, this is my second favorite in the series. If remake is a an, a ten out of ten, I, I'd give RE3 an eight. Um, I think remake is, remake is pretty much perfect. Uh, RE3 does have a few flaws, but it does rank my second favorite. Um, my favorite part about the game is exploring Raccoon City in so much more depth. In RE2, I don't think we got to see enough of the city. It was uh, most of it was spent in the RPD. <coughs> um, I like the style of the streets as well. Uh, the fact that they, they're more Japanese style than American. I think it separates it from other games like it. makes it stand out. And also it's, it's more cramped and claustrophobic. Um, the, the alleyways and, and the streets, it's, it's harder to get by zombies. Um, I think maybe that's why they introduced the dodge feature partly because of Nemesis as well, but I, I didn't have, I didn't use the dodge feature much. The only time I did use it is by mistake, if I'm sh- shooting or something and you, you trigger it by accident, I didn't purposely use it. Uh, the other features I, I think were much better, uh, such as the maker ammo, uh, the running up the stairs, the 180 degree spin which is still present in the series is, is one of my favourite features and the introduction of mercenaries um, it's not my favourite mercenaries, my favourite mercenaries would be 5 but it, it was introduced in 3 yeah, and the exploding environments that was pretty handy when you're surrounded by a group of zombies um, I want to say the, the music is, is okay it's, it, it's, not up to, it's not up on par with RE1 and 2 but it does have my favourite save room music um, couple of flaws with the game. Um, I think it could have done with a few more survivors, maybe some citizens. Uh, th- that would have been nice. I, I think it would have helped a bit with the story. Um, also the RPD, RPD contradictions, such as uh, the, wall, the, the window being burst through by Nemesis and then it's fixed in RE2. Um, I, th- I think Carlos maybe should have died as well. They didn't have any use for him after the, after the um, RE3 in the series. I think that after he gave Jill the vaccine, maybe he shouldn't have been bitten or something in the hospital and then give the, the vaccine to Jill and then died. And then as Jill wakes up, you have to shoot and kill Carlos. I think that would have been really effective. And I just want to say I think Nemesis should have showed up in the star's office since he was hunting down the stars. Uh, I think that was a missed opportunity. It would have been nice to 
to have him show up there. Um, that's pretty much it. I haven't got much else to add. Um, looking forward to hearing the podcast. Thanks, guys. He makes a great point about Carlos. You know, he's going to be sacrificing himself in order to save Jill, and then Jill having to, you know, put him down as a zombie. I think that'd be brilliant. Um, mm. And yeah, also it would have been good, you know, to, to have found some survivors, uh, you know, almost in the, in the sense that, the, you know, the beta for two, you know, 1.5, you know, you find, um, I think, you know, Sherry and, and, and isn't Birkin, they're just, you know, survivors um, that you meet. Yeah, it would have been interesting to have, to have just, yeah, just, just met some other survivors. We didn't really talk about the mercenaries much and mercenaries has changed a lot since uh, the first game. It's changed, it's changed. Nothing, nothing even remotely like as it as it was back in Resident Evil Three. So Operation Mad Jackal is one of the best ones. Absolutely, I think the Chief Irons at the end. Yes, who, yes. who, who was another antagonist of the series, as was debated. Mm. Not just a placeholder, of course. Uh, yeah, he makes a good point about the Japanese style architecture of Raccoon City as well. It does make it unique from you know other city-based games. Yeah, because you only have to look at Operation Raccoon City. Yeah, as very how generic. Not to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Crimson Elder. That's a uh, that's a pretty useful calling and uh, interesting. Lower scores than us, but uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, we do have another calling. This one's coming from a new member, Nemesis T Type. Very appropriate. Uh, so let's have a listen to what he's got to say. Hey guys, Nemesis T Type here, talking about Resident Evil Three. It was the first game that I played in the series, and is possibly my favorite Resident Evil game. Um, when I first played it, I thought that it was very good. Um, I thought that it was very f- a very scary game, especially considering the fact that it was, looking back, slightly more action-orientated than the first two games. It seems like everything blows up around Jill. Just about everywhere she goes, there's an explosion of some sort. Um, But I thought that it was very good. It had me quite scared. I was afraid to go through pretty much every door in the game. And it had me sitting there for five minutes or more at a time, staring at my map, talking to myself like a crazy person, plotting out all of my next moves. I thought that the characters were quite good, especially Nikolai. Um, I think that he was a very good, complex character. Um, Unlike a lot of the characters that we have in Resident Evil games today, especially for a villain, um, who seemed to be more taking over the world and one-dimensional, I'm evil because I am evil, kind of villains Um, I liked Carlos I thought that he was a good one-off character and of course you have Jill everybody likes Jill well not everybody but I I liked her I I liked that particular incarnation of Jill I also liked the B.O.W.s in the game I thought that they were good, like the zombies, of course. Um, It was nice to have the hunters and the zombie dogs as well. I thought that they were very nice having two variations of the hunter in one game. And I liked the drain demios and 
brain suckers, especially. Um, I thought that they were very good BOWs. I'm sort of sorry we haven't seen them again. I thought that they were very good, especially for insect BOWs, which I don't particularly like in general, but these ones were the exception for me. Um, and of course, you can't talk about Resident Evil 3 without mentioning the Nemesis in his first video game appearance. Um, arguably his best incarnation before he goes off and becomes all Paul Andersonized. But I thought that he was a very good addition at the time. Um, I thought that he was quite frightening. I loved how he could chase you through about 85% of the game, no matter where you were. Um, I thought that he was a very good B.O.W. and, and quite frightening. Um, I liked the branching storyline and the overall plot of the game I thought was quite good. Um, and I love the branching storyline. So some really good points there. Uh, I think he shares most of our views, actually, that the um, one of the favourite games in the series. And I think there's not many things I disagree with, what you're you saying. Um, it reminded me of the fact that, actually, um, I always felt the... He, he talks about the, the brain suckers. Mm. I always felt that the Reaper from Resident Evil 5 was very much a homage to that enemy. They're very similar. Yes, because it gets up on its hind legs, doesn't it? It runs at yeah, you. Yeah, very similar. Well, uh, thank you very much for calling. Uh, we, we do appreciate all of them. So, um, any more, if any more, that would be great for the next podcast. We'll talk about that a bit later on. Uh, so, without further ado, we'll now move on to Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Their minds will be tested. I, I have an answer, but it's based on a thread that Welsh made. Experiments will be undertaken. I've been told by the boss that you have to be deducted a point. Fuck off. Great knowledge is needed. <laughs> I got massive knot out of five last time. And a new power will arise. Jesus Christ. What a question is that? You said these questions weren't hard. I don't know. 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 It's time for Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! So hello and welcome to this episode of this this version of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Before we uh, have a recap of the scores and generally, you know, look at where we are at, there's some housekeeping. Some controversies. Some controversies. There are, there are. Um, 
Let Bat- me guess. Does it involve Batman getting a point and me getting minus a point? Batman was contacted by the founder, who obviously, as we know, is the super moderator of all the podcasts as well, and obviously the boss. And he's noted some discrepancies, should we say, <laughs> that have crept in to the uh, the quiz that takes place on our podcast, and in particular, the scoring. Batman, you, you don't have to say anything because I've been told the same message from the founder and I, I trust his word on these type of things. Apparently, uh, Stars Tyrant, you've used a lifeline twice. I had a feeling it would be... I said on the forum, didn't I? As soon as it was mentioned, I thought, it's, is it me? Is it me? And, <laughs> and, it, and it really is, isn't it? The, the, I can't the, when Which was the one I used it on, apart from last time? Um, oh, blimey. I think it was the se- second episode in season two. I don't remember using it, um, but I had a feeling, that gut feeling. Uh, so, yeah, I do I do apologise for that. And I presume it does mean my entire last round is forfeit. Well, let, let's just acknowledge the errors here. The, the rules of season two of Neptune and Uses Biohazard Quiz is you can only use one lifeline in the allotted time frame of which is one season. That lifeline being to ask Newsbot. So you have used that twice. The second discrepancy lies with George Trevor. <laughs> and can I just, how do we know that this founder even exists and isn't just, you know, John, you know, I mean, it's very convenient. Oh, I've been contacted by this mysterious man who says, you know, I should get extra points. Well, he, he, I've spoken to him on the phone, if you remember one of the old episodes. He shafted me last series, the founder. He took points off me. My adding up skills leave something to be desired. And basically, George, you scored one extra point when I added it all up from last quiz. I think I gave you four out of five when you only got three out of five. Well, that's fair enough, but you're going to have to send me back that 20 quid. Am I? (laughs) So the question is what to do about it. Now, as quiz master with with Newspot, we could just deduct you both one point each, which would be in line with the current appraisals. But no one likes a snitch, so instead we're going to <laughs> have a fight. <laughs> no, we're not. So yes. So the actual scores now are, as for a recap, Batman, you are currently in the lead with 12 points. This is followed up by George Trevor with nine points. Mr. Spencer is on eight points, and Stars Tyrant, you are on seven points. Now, okay. uh, keen listeners will have quickly realised that it's gone awfully. Uh, quiet and non-controversial um, in, in yes, there's, there's been no references to child rape there hasn't Mr Spencer has during the course of this uh, recording has disappeared um, <laughs> are you going to not say the reason he got drunk he he's got drunk, drunk too much gin he, he, he's drunk yes he has drunk too much gin so he's uh, he's abandoning us so he won't be participating in this quiz this week same rules apply obviously Batman and George Trevor you, I think you can oh no you've used your lifeline as well so it's only Batman it's only Batman that's got his lifeline to ask Newsbot left. Sorry, because I missed something. What are we doing about the the erroneous point and the extra light? We just am I just keeping it? Did you say because no one likes a snitch? I was, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so slow. <laughs> no, um, I said uh, Batman on twelve, George on nine, Mr. Spencer on eight, Ty on seven. So uh, without further ado, we will move on to question number one. I think it's quite an easy quiz this week. So question number one is a question from Vito. <laughs> That's a bit of a contradiction in terms. An easy quiz is one from Vito. No, I, I think he's, I think he's been nice this week. So, what colour is the first Ivan's head-mounted display? The fir- well, which is the first? Oh, the first. What colour is the first Ivan you encounter? The one in Beginnings. Yes. 
Oh. Why, what, sorry, why did you say mounted display? The the visor is what he means. Mm. Oh, oh, so right, yeah. Well, strange thing to, strange way to refer to the visor. So the one that Wesker fights is a boss battle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what colour is he? Yes. What colour is his visor? Yes. What? I don't. Know. What colour are the glasses he's wearing? Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you meant what colour was Ivan. Two, isn't it? Yeah. Two different colours. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, question number two, uh, a, a nice question. This comes from Yoke. Uh, select copies of Resident Evil 3 came with a demo of what game? Bloody <laughs> Okay. Um, question number three. What were the nicknames for Birkin and Wesker as given by the assistant director of the training facility? Oh, great. Oh, I've just... I know people have been playing. Are, are we using yeah. basic yeah. EU oh, translations? Yes, yes. Thank you. I, I know that one, thanks. Yeah. He's told to pit them against each other, isn't he? Yes, yes. I read that two days ago. Oh, fuck. You keep thinking, so what were their nicknames for Birkin and Wesker? Anyway, question number four. Now, you might want to listen carefully. I can now access the bilge. I am covered in blood. <laughs> I am split into two. I can see my bones. Who am I? <laughs> So I'll repeat that. I can now access the bilge. I'm covered in blood. I'm split into two. I can see my bones. Who am I? I will urge you to think very carefully about this question. And finally, question number five. It's the music question. Yay. You're listening to The Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. A classic, of course, appears in Resident Evil 1. But what comes next? G sharp, C sharp, E. G sharp, C sharp, E. G sharp C sharp E 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 A C sharp E A D What? <laughs> you fuck? What are we looking for? Just a, a random letter? <laughs> the next note, yes. <laughs> is it just a letter or is it something sharp? I'm not going to say that information. You've got to repeat that once. So, yeah, go on. So you're listening to The Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, a classic tune from the Resident Evil series. But what comes next? G-sharp, C-sharp, E-sharp, G-sharp, C-sharp, E, 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 A, C-sharp, E, A, D. Is it just one note? Yes, yes, we're looking for one note, yeah. But that doesn't... I'm, so, I'm sorry to be pedantic, but how is that a reflection of my knowledge of Resident Evil? It's not. <laughs> but it's not so a... then it's void as a question. No, it, it, it gives everyone a good guess. I like, I like a question where everyone has to have a good guess. It makes sense if, if you... Oh, you should have asked the thing about the... In yeah. Resident Evil 3 with the, the clock tower little music box puzzle. That would have been better. Would it? Sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, no. Oh, fucking no, but if you ask. if you watch Jill playing enough, you'd know the answer. Yeah. Well, would you? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'll leave you to ponder these. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. Decaying flesh rotting on a reanimated corpse. Triggering V-act. Amphibian DNA injected into human embryos, resulting in hybrid hunters. Dehydrated humans undergoing violent mutations, rejecting eyesight and mutating an elongated tongue. 
naked biological abominations, marching relentlessly with unnatural discipline and claws. This is not just a biohazard. This is a Project Umbrella-inspired biohazard. Welcome back to Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz, an interesting quiz this week, I'm sure you'll agree. So let's go through the answers and see what everyone got. So question number one came from Vito. What colour is the first Ivan's head-mounted display? We'll start with Stars Tyrant. Blue. Blue. George Trevor. I put here sky blue, light blue. Uh, Batman. Oh, God, you've got me paranoid now, but I thought it was orange. Orange. It was either blue or orange. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> Batman is right, it is orange. Oh, oh you are sake. joking. <laughs> I, I'm going to look that up on YouTube right now. I, I trust the uh, answer from Vito, which was orange, So uh, unless I'm corrected otherwise. Points for Batman. Question number two was a question from Yoke. Select copies of RE3 came with what demo? George Trevor, did you know this one? Well, obviously, RE3 came as a demo with Dino Crisis. So I just... I don't know. Um, so maybe it was just... Um, I don't know. No idea. I'm going to say Dino Crisis. I'm going to say Dino Crisis anyway. Okay. Uh, Batman? Yeah, Dino Crisis would make sense, but I honestly didn't have any idea, so I'm just going to say I don't know. Star Tyrant? It was Dino Crisis. I knew that from that ridiculous debate that the version of Resident Evil 3 packaged with Dino Crisis was uncensored and had the hot zombie <laughs> head flying. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. The answer is Dino Crisis. So points there for George Trevor and uh, Stars Tyrant. Well done. Question number three was, what were the nicknames for Birkin and Wesker given by the assistant director of the training facility? Half marks available here, I suppose. If you... No, no, no. Well, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Stars Tyrant, what did you put? Scholar Will, Practical Al. Scholar Will, Practical Al. George Trevor? Yeah, yeah, Scholar Will, Practical Al. Oh. I thought I thought it was hot-headed, Al, but yeah, it was Practical Al. Uh, Batman? Very, yeah, Scholar Will, Practical Al. Correct. Oh, very good. I'm very good. Please, you've got that. I wouldn't, that I wouldn't have known that. I played it like two days ago. That was in zero, wasn't it? It yeah. was, yes. Very good, very good. Uh, question number four. I can now access the bilge. I'm covered in blood. I'm split into two. I can see my bones. Who am I? Batman. Who am I? You are Rachel. I am Rachel. George Trevor, who am I? I'm sure it's Rachel. Doesn't she talk about like her eye dropping off or something as well? I, I thought it was fantastic. It was one of the few files for me that when reading, it, it was sort of kind of as, as just as really sinister feeling as The Keeper's Diary. And you know, he's one you know, in the top 10 all, all files in Resident Evil. That would be in there for me. Uh, Star Star. Are you doing a weird fourth wall breaking question here? Is it actually Could I? Jill? Could Is I? it actually Jill when you get killed by the things with the blades? Sort of chainsaw thing. Is that your answer? Yeah, I'll go for that because I can now access the build, but I've been killed on my way there. I've been split into two. I'm not that deep, no. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was hoping, yeah. Um, yes, I think you're right, it is Rachel. The actual um, message in the file, of course, is there is no clue as to who left this note. Which is interesting. Does he also talk about her eye dropping? Apart from it's on Rachel's body. Yes, I'll, yes, I'll, I'll say he's very yeah. correct answer, but I'm just saying on the note it says there's no clue as to who it is. But there we go. Interesting. Good points there for Batman and George. Because I said you had to think carefully about it, because obviously there's no clue in the note, but uh, you had to find know. it on her body and she's talking about her own death. Anyway, question number five was the uh, music round. 
with Moonlight Sonata. Um, it was nice to hear that again. I really don't need to repeat it, but it was G sharp, C sharp, E times by eight. Then A, C sharp, E, A, D, what? What is the next note? George, did you know what the next note was? Of course I fucking didn't. Um, <laughs> you must have a guess. I'm not Mozart. Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> even, <laughs> even him. <laughs> fucking hell. Well, I mean, uh, E. E, right. Batman. Yeah, I'm going to guess E. Total guess, though. E. Star Stone. C sharp. Well, we had to go showing off with the sharp bit. I have no idea. The answer is F sharp. Oh, of course it was. I'm going. To, I'm going to give Stars Tyrant half for the sharp. Whoa! whoa what about me and Batman? Because you know the letter E is just before F in the alphabet. Absolutely. Because he got half the point right with the sharp. But if you, if you had said E sharp, George, you'd have got you'd have got half. I just thought it was a bit. It would have been a bit ostentatious to mention sharps and. <laughs> That concludes the quiz, so let's have a quick look at the final scores. It's a joint win this week for Batman and George. They both scored three out of five. And Ty, you came in uh, last, but only just behind with two and a half. So that's very good. Okay. So let's let's see how what that's done to the scores. Batman still in the lead with 15 points. George Trevor moved up to uh, 12 points. And uh, Ty, you are now on nine and a half, and have overtaken <sighs> Mr. Spencer, who's now last, with eight. Yet to break double figures. So. Yet to break double figures. But you never know what happens in Neptune and Uses bio has a quiz. We've seen it before. Who knows? We just need to keep John away from the gin long enough. We do. <laughs> so that concludes the quiz. Uh, thank you all very much. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll have another quiz next podcast. Excellent, there we go. It nearly wraps up our Resident Evil 3 podcast. Um, just leaves us time to talk about what's happening next podcast. I think we're going to be doing Outbreak. Yes. I think, or depends. Yes, I think we're going to save Revelations for another one. So, yes, next one. We haven't done Resident Evil 0 yet, have we? No. No, exactly. we need to do that one soon. No, we're doing as a semi-prod to um, George to hurry up and complete the game. Obviously, we're going to do files one and two separate podcasts. Yes, we are. Yes, So we're just going to do file one. Uh, although they are obviously were intended to be one big game, we're just going to do file one because we can, you know, we literally go through each of the scenarios in detail and said what we like, what we didn't like, etc, etc. So that should be that should be a great podcast. I presume I'll be the only one that won't have played it online. No, I didn't either. I George. didn't play online. You couldn't play it online in Europe. Yeah. Oh, oh, could you not? No. Okay. Um, so if you've got any uh, comments you'd like to make about Far One in particular, feel free to give any of us a uh, email. I'm sure my email's on on the podcast. Could pod do with people who played it online. We could do with people who played it online. That would be useful, yeah. Because uh, obviously Outbreak 2 was online in Europe, but I don't think anyone played it. Any online experiences would be warmly received here at Project Umbrella Towers. So um, that. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be fantastic so uh, if any other questions please keep them coming in I'm really running out and uh, yeah that, that, that would be great so uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening it's goodbye from me Neptune goodbye from me the Batman goodbye from me George Trevor goodbye from me Star Tyrant goodbye from me Newsbot <laughs>